0: I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 11, verses 37 to 54. If you want to read along with me, then open your Bibles or the words will appear uh, on the screen. It's entitled, The Pharisees and the Experts in the Law. When Jesus had finished speaking, a Pharisee invited him to eat with him. So he went in and reclined at the table. But the Pharisee was surprised when he noticed that Jesus did not first wash before the meal. Then the Lord said to him, Now then, you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people, did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? But now, as for what is inside you, be generous to the poor, and everything will be clean for you. Woe to the Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and love for God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. Woe to you Pharisees, because you love the most important seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, because you are like unmarked graves, which people walk over without knowing it. One of the experts of the law answered him, teacher, when you say these things, you insult us also. Jesus replied, and you experts in the law, woe to you because you load people down with burdens that they can hardly carry and you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. Woe to you because you build tombs for the prophets and it was your ancestors who killed them. So you testify that you approve of what your ancestors did. They killed the prophets and you built their tombs. Because of this, God and his wisdom said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and others they will persecute. Therefore, this generation will be held responsible for the blood of all the prophets that has been shed since the beginning of the world. From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who was killed before the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, this generation will be held responsible for it all. Woe to you, experts in the law, because you have taken away the key to knowledge. You yourselves have not entered, and you have hindered those who, are, who were entering. When Jesus went outside, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began to oppose him fiercely and besiege him with questions waiting to catch him in something he might say.
1: Thank you, Zoe. Nothing like a good encouraging Bible verse that you can stick on your fridges there that you can walk past. Let's pray. And let's uh, open up this challenging part of Scripture this morning. Father God, we thank you, Lord, that your word pulls no punches. We thank you, Lord God, that as we read your word, you challenge us to live wholly and utterly for you. And as we open up these words today, we pray above everything, we'll hear the Holy Spirit speaking to each and every one of us. That you will challenge us, you'll encourage us, you'll highlight those areas of our life which maybe we're not living for you in at the moment. And and just call us back, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now... I don't know how you've been over this lockdown period. I don't know how it's been for you, but one thing that I have noticed since this time we have found ourselves in lockdown is that physically, it's very easy to become quite lazy, isn't it? I mean, this time last year, Before lockdown actually hit us, I was going to the gym probably three times a week. I was in pretty good physical shape at the time. And then lockdown number one comes along. And like a lot of people, my physical regime carried on. I was going running on a regular basis. I was going out for my daily exercise like we were supposed to. But then lockdown number two and lockdown number three came along. And my exercise got gradually less and less I generally work from the church office, but the problem is I only live a two-minute walk away from the church office. So I wasn't even getting any exercise coming to church every single day. And lockdown has shown me too that it's very, very easy to open the Uber Eats app on your phone and order a curry rather than cooking for yourself. And I reckon over the course of this year, I've put on in weight at least a stone over the last 12 months. And I recognise that something has got to change. I can't carry on like this long term. Because if I do, I'm going to get quite unhealthy along the way. You see, it's relatively easy to spot signs of our heart, our physical heart, being compromised, isn't it? When we start, They were concerned about what a person did. Whereas Jesus is concerned about who a person is. And he says in verse 39, now then, you Pharisees, clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. Are we still online at the moment? We're back online. Okay, that's good. Okay, so if you're rejoining us at this point and you've missed half of the stuff I've said up to this point, let me just recap for you right now. Jesus, Is going for a meal and he hasn't washed his hands. He's there with the Pharisees who they put all kinds of different rules and all kinds of different laws and all kinds of different regulations uh, on people because they want people to live in a certain way. And what we've said so far this morning is actually, if we're honest, we all have Pharisaical tendencies. We all at times live like the Pharisees do. We all impose things on other people. We all want to see people living in a way where the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. But Jesus is at this meal and he doesn't wash his hands. And as he doesn't wash his hands, people begin to judge him. And Jesus then turns round to them in verse 39 and says, Now then, you Pharisees, you clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. The problem with a Pharisaical spirit is that it hinders gospel outreach because people see right through it. Reach people for Jesus, we need to learn to be genuine. And with that in mind, what I want us to do this morning is to focus on the marks of an unhealthy heart from Scripture and look at this passage and look at some of the criticisms which were lobbied towards the Pharisees. And then I want to ask God to search our hearts today. That he helps, to, he helps us to examine ourselves, that we might be moulded into the people that God wants us to be. The first mark that we see of an unhealthy spirit, an unhealthy heart, is that the Pharisees majored on the minors. Verse 42 says this: "But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and all kinds of manners of herbs, and pass judgment by and pass justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done, without leaving the others undone." The Pharisees, they were so careful to be seen to be tithing that they would go to the extent of counting out a tenth of even the tiniest of herbs that they had in their garden. They wanted to be seen to be going above and beyond what the law had said and what the law required of them, right down to the minutest of details. But here's the problem. In the midst of them wanting to appear holy, they neglected the most important aspect of the law, justice and love. I wonder how often we do exactly the same. I wonder how often we get so concerned about the format of our worship, about the songs that we sing, about the structure of our services. I wonder how often we get so worked up about whether our corporate worship is reverent enough. I wonder how often we get so worked up about if we've got the right people and the right kinds of people doing the right kinds of roles within the church. We get so sort we get so worked up about what's going on in this building that we forget about what God is calling us to do outside of this building. That we don't give a great deal of thought to those who are heading towards a lost eternity without Christ. And when it comes to other issues, whether that's issues of race, whether that's issues of slavery or climate change, justice issues, they don't even cross our mind because we want the I's dotted and the T's crossed in such a way that it keeps us satisfied and makes us feel more superior. And you know, as the people of God, we're not called to have a pie in the sky when you die mentality and a pie in the sky when you die theology. We're not called to have a theology that says one day everything will be all right, but until then we'll just carry on as we are. No, we're called to pray your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, we want to see your kingdom break into the here and now. God, we want to see justice brought in those areas of poverty and those areas of injustice. We want to see you move mountains now that people come to know Christ for themselves here and now. If you want to know the state of your heart today, ask yourself the question this morning. When it comes to faith, when it comes to church, what is it that concerns me the most? I wonder what the answer to that question is for you. What is it that really concerns you the most? Is it the style of worship? Is it the person who's preaching the words? Or is it the fact that we live in a city where the majority of people, if we truly believe what the Bible says, are heading towards a lost eternity right now? What is it that concerns God? And therefore, what is it that should concern us? It's like that song that we sing so often says, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. You know, as we come back together as a church over the course of the next few weeks, the course of the next few months, whenever it might be. Let's not be a people who just settle back into our old ways and our old habits, but let's continually spur one another on to be all that God calls us to be. The second mark of an unhealthy heart that I believe we see from this scripture today is that we can become preoccupied with being noticed. We hear these words spoken to the Pharisees in this passage, "'Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplace.'" We're not able necessarily to identify with what Jesus is talking about here and the symbolism that Jesus uses, because in Jesus' day, the best seats in the synagogue were at the front. Now we know as a Baptist church that the seats at the front are where no one wants to sit, and people want to sit at the back of the church. But what Jesus is getting at here is that these are really important seats for important people. So the Pharisees, they wanted to be sat at the front in these prominent seats in order to be seen and to be noticed, and people to go, wow, I wish I was just like them but jesus is pointing out one of the biggest issues of an unhealthy heart is pride you see pharisees they love the attention they got from occupying the best seats in the house but such attention leads to this elitist mentality in fact jesus describes people who fall into this trap as being like deaf to others They're like unmarked graves that people walk over without knowing. And Jesus is saying that this kind of mentality and this kind of attitude is destructive. And as we examine our hearts today, let me ask you, is what you do done to be seen by men or to glorify God? If you never got another hint of human praise for what you do, would you still serve Now, I'm not saying that human praise is wrong. In fact, I really believe that we should be a church of honour, that we honour one another, that we build one another up, that we say thank you when people do serve and they do do what we need people to do so often. We need to celebrate success. But when that's what we live for, it damages rather than edifies. What's the remedy? It's taking on the mindset of Christ, who did not... A counter quality with God is something to be grasped, but he took on the nature of a servant. How is your heart looking today? And the third mark of an unhealthy heart that we see in our scripture today is that we begin to be a burden to others rather than bless them. You see, as Jesus is speaking here directly to the Pharisees, someone else at the dinner table pipes up and it's one of the scribes. And he insists that if Jesus is going to continue attacking the Pharisees like he is, he actually is attacking the scribes also. The scribes, they were the experts in the law. They were the theologians of the day. They were the experts with all things regarding to scripture. And we read this in verse 46. Jesus replied, And you experts in the law, woe to you, because you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry and you yourself will not lift a finger to help them. Jesus accuses the scribe of really taking all the joy out of living for God and making it a burden. You know, when David spoke about the law in Psalm 119, he described the law as a blessing. We read these words, blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those keep his statutes and seek him with all of their hearts. But Jesus speaks here to a people who are loading burdens that they can hardly carry. And that's in total contrast to what Jesus gives. Jesus said, come to me all who are weak and heavy laden and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I wonder If you've ever met the type of Christian who sucks the joy out of living for Christ, I wonder if you are the type of Christian which sucks the joy out of living for Christ. You know, as Christians, we should be the most joy-filled people on the planet. That's not to say we go around skipping every step of the day, singing Shine Jesus Shine and saying everything's lovely and wonderful. No, we're not called to be happy 24-7, but we are called to be filled with joy because the joy that Jesus Christ gives is a joy that this world cannot ever, ever give and that hope should shine through us. Yes, it's tough. Yes, it's rough. Yes, it's hard. But actually, I know the solid rock in which I stand. I know what's going to happen. I know the one who holds the future. Let me ask you again today, church, how is your heart? I really hope there are some people with me still this morning online. I really hope that you've been able to tune into this, because I believe that God wants to speak directly into our lives as individuals today, and to begin to stir something up within us as a church church to say, come on, we're going to make sure we're spiritually fit for this next season. We're going to make sure we're spiritually ready to go when God calls us back together. We're going to make sure we're spiritually ready and on the point because we're looking to Jesus, whatever this season is going to bring. The next thing I think we see about living with an unhealthy heart today is that our works can become a monument for our guilt. We read these words in verses 47 to 48. Woe to you, because you build tombs for the prophets, and it was your ancestors who killed them. So you testify that you approve of what your ancestors did. They killed the prophets, and you built their tombs. Have you ever been to a funeral, I wonder, where someone has passed away? And at that funeral, there are some people there who have this outpouring of grief and emotions, and sometimes you can't help but look and think, were you that close to them when they were alive? Did you really care for them when they were here and you could physically be with them? You know, sometimes an outpouring of emotion like that can be out of guilt. They realize that how they may have treated someone in this life. So when they're dead, they go over and above that kind of expression of emotion that might be naturally applicable to their relationship with them and it seems really that's what Jesus is getting at here you see the teachers of the law went to great lengths to show honor to the prophets but that honor that they showed only really revealed their guilt rather than concealed it you see when the prophets were alive they wanted nothing to do with them in fact in their way of thinking the only good prophet was a dead prophet but now they're building tombs for these prophets and an unhealthy heart serves out of place of guilt rather than a place of blessing. An unhealthy heart works for salvation rather than working from salvation. An unhealthy heart serves in order to get noticed and to get acclaim when it doesn't come. They might get angry and storm off and say, I'm not doing this anymore. And in some ways, if we're honest. That's the default position of all of our hearts, isn't it? We like the idea of working for a claim. We like the idea of working for salvation. There's something within us which would quite like to be able to be saved by our works because when we stood in front of God on that day of judgment, we can say, hey, God, I've done my bit. I've paid my taxes. You've got to let me in. But here's the thing. The scandal of grace is that there's nothing that we can do to earn God's favour. It's all because of Jesus, that he came, he lived, he died, he paid the ransom, and as a result, rose three days later that we also might be forgiven, set free and saved. So therefore, as Christians, we need to learn to serve from a place of acceptance rather than serving for acceptance. But when our hearts are unhealthy, our tendency is to lean back into our old ways of being, to lean back into how we were before, because we think it might make us feel better about ourselves. But in reality, what it does is it drives a greater wedge between us and God. The final thing, the final symptom that I think we see here of an unhealthy heart is this. An unhealthy heart makes the truth hard to find. Jesus said these words in verses 52 to 53. Woe to you, experts in the law, because you have taken away the key to knowledge. You yourselves have not entered and you have hindered those who were entering. Jesus condemned the teachers of the law for being the exact opposite of what they thought that they were. They believed that they had the keys to know God, when in reality what they did is they put a stumbling block in front of others and made God harder to find. And a person with an unhealthy heart does exactly the same. They think they're okay because they prayed a sinner's prayer at one point in their life, but what they've allowed to do is they've allowed their hearts to grow bitter and hard. And what happens is it doesn't just hinder their walk but it hinders the walks of others as well. And people look at the bitterness within the heart and they say, well, if that's what being a Christian is like, I want nothing to do with it. Jesus reserved his harshest words for the religious. He wanted them to see their state before God's. And as I said earlier, it's easy for us to vilify the Pharisees. But you know, I'm fairly convinced that when these guys started out, They didn't go into it to be awkward. They didn't go into it to deliberately lead people astray from God. When these Pharisees, these scribes, these teachers of the law started out, I genuinely believe they probably wanted to honour God with their whole lives. They wanted to live for God with everything that they had. They wanted to be totally and utterly sold out for God. But somewhere along the way, something led them astray whether that was praise of men, whether that was acclaim, whether that was getting the best seats in the synagogue, I don't know. And that's why I say to some extent, we all have pharisaical tendencies. We all have the tendency to major on the minor things and forget what's really important when it comes to God. We all have the tendency to be preoccupied at times with being noticed. We all have the tendency to burden others rather than to bless them. We all have the tendency to try to work for our salvation rather rather than work from our salvation. Because we carry around so much guilt with us still. We all have the tendency to make the truth hard to find for others as well. So let me ask you one more time this morning, church, how is your heart today? Really, how is your heart? You know, if we genuinely want to go deeper with God, we've got to learn to stop pretending. Like everything is okay, where we put on our Sunday best on a Sunday and we act as if we've got it all together. We need to learn to be a people who examine the warning signs in our own walk with Christ. And as a result of that, come back to him and ask God to do a work within us. Because if we don't, just like our physical heart, our spiritual heart can be a ticking time bomb for something far greater as well. If your heart isn't healthy today, know that we worship a God who the Bible describes as the great physician. He is the one who can perform heart surgery on you today. He is the one who can take the hardest of heart and turn it around. And as we've said time and time again over the course of this pandemic season that we're in, our response is our responsibility. Just like when our physical hearts are in trouble and they're not as they should be, we can get advice from doctors, we can get advice from fitness instructors, we can get advice from dietitians. but unless we choose to put that advice into practice, ultimately it amounts to nothing. And if you're watching this right now, the chances are, if you're honest, if you're truly honest with yourself today, you will know the exact state of your spiritual self today and your spiritual heart. And it's easy to blame other people, isn't it? It's easy to say the church hasn't met my needs in this period. My life group have not been there to support me when I've needed them most. But ultimately, our walk with Christ comes down to our walk with Christ. We are responsible for walking closely with Christ and our personal response to Jesus. So if you're watching this today and your heart is hard, my challenge is simply this. Stop resisting Jesus And allow him to do what only he can do in your life today. Don't try to make it right by religion and by your own efforts. But trust in Christ, once again. One of my favourite songs, and we're going to sing it together in a minute, is that old hymn. Rock of Ages, Clef for me. Let me hide myself in thee. And one of the lines in this hymn says, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Naked, come to thee for rest. Helpless, look to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly. Wash me, saviour, or I die. There is nothing we can do to sort our spiritual state out and our spiritual heart when it's hard. Apart from come to Jesus and cling to the cross Christ Church, today, let us be a people who openly and honestly assess our state before God. We have nothing to bring. It's all by grace. And I'll finish with these words from Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 15. As it has been said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as they did in the rebellion. Let's pray. I'm going to invite the band to come back up. Father God we come before you today and we realise that we do all have pharisaical tendencies in our life we can so easily slip into religion we can so easily slip into something which is not of you and burden ourselves in a way that you never intended us to be burdened. And as we come before you today, may each and every one of us today acknowledge our spiritual state before you. If we're walking closely with you right now, Lord Jesus, help us to keep on keeping on. Will you draw closer to us even today? May we know you very, very near. Lord, if the reality of this pandemic season has meant we have felt a million miles away from you and away from your people. Holy Spirit, great physician, may we know today that your grace is sufficient for us and that you can turn around even the hardest of heart. We give ourselves to you once again. Have your way. In Jesus' name. Amen.